Chapter 2, A.B. Chloe startled Nico and Odessa on the stairwell above the waterline. Sundown in an hour, said Chloe. We can't linger. Circulation returned to Odessa's cold feet as she climbed. They itched badly and she struggled to keep her balance as she followed Nico to the rooftop plateau in the shadow of the tower. Cutter acknowledged his friends, then turned his attention back to the side of the broken wall that offered the only approach to the mill's inner caverns. Odessa leaned over the edge and spotted three arrow-pricked bodies prone on the broken blocks below. Cutter whistled and waved her back. Everything okay? asked Nico. For now, said Cutter, they're waiting for us down there. Are we busting out now or digging in until sunrise? asked Odessa. Out, he said. There isn't enough cover up here. They'd probably wait until we were tired and then rush the wall. Plus, Chloe spotted something else that might be even worse than the fader. I thought that was smoke, said Chloe, pointing at a distant spot between the trees. But it's been getting closer for the last hour. Moving smoke? asked Nico. They're bringing fire to burn us out? Why not just build it here? No, they can't burn us off the rock, said Chloe. What you're looking at is a dust plume, not smoke. And that means horses. Lots of them. More faders? asked Odessa. Or a Norcos? Odessa blanched. Her biggest fear didn't have anything to do with fighting hostile tribes. It was about getting caught by her own people. No, neither, said Chloe. It has to be the AB. No one else has that many horses. We should have left an hour ago, said Cutter. This'll be a tight one. More faders materialized at the base of the ruin, while Odessa and Nico stripped and reconfigured their packs to carry out the heavy maker scrap. Their first sally down the broken side of the building nearly ended their escape. The faders slung stone missiles at the descending warriors, and Chloe lost her footing when a glancing blow plowed a furrow across her scalp. She caught herself with a blind grab and wrenched herself around into a broken crevice barely wider than her body. She closed her eyes and fought with the swimming darkness that crowded her vision while from above Cutter and Odessa unloosed half the arrows in their quivers. Under the cover Cutter and Odessa created, Nico crawled slowly down to Chloe, hindered by the pendulous swings of the metal lashed to his back. Odessa attempted the descent and nearly fell over the wall on her first step. Fuck it, she muttered. Three swings and the pack was sailing through the air. It landed with a muffled thud in the duff below. Great idea, Nico called back, sending his own pack smashing and tumbling down the debris slope. Nico's pack split, sending two palm-sized pieces of metal spinning off in opposite directions before the shredded remains of the pack came to rest near Odessa's. Odessa followed Cutter as he descended past Nico and Chloe's position. Once on the ground, they sprinted toward the scrap, retrieving arrows on the fly as they ran. Confident that the shower of arrows was over, the fader began to reappear from behind their cover. It was hard for Odessa to stay focused on the fader with the AB so close on their heels. For all she knew, the fader wouldn't be around for long once the AB appeared. But secondly, the latter tribe was such an implacable foe that the Norcos' older rival seemed trivial by comparison. The Norcos had known the AB as a distant, hazy threat long before the fierce tribe had expanded into the territory that the faders and the Norcos had already been fighting over for generations. The AB's westward march had overrun the Norcos' eastern outposts where they domesticated horses in the high plains beyond the mountains. Each summer that followed, the AB had pushed harder into the Norcos and Fader hunting grounds in the temperate zone west of the mountains. Compressed into smaller spaces, the leisurely Fader-Norcos rivalry heated up. The warmer, drier months now belonged to the AB, and the land's capacity to provide food and shelter faltered under their relentless pressure. The Norcos and the Fader spent too much time fleeing, hiding, and fighting when they needed to be planting, hunting, gathering, preserving, and building. Odessa had never seen the AB herself until Chloe pointed out the column advancing below the tower. 
She'd seen the aftermath of their conquest, though, and it was hard not to succumb to a feeling of futility as she tried to turn her attention back to the fader in front of them. For now, she had to pretend like the AB didn't exist. Chloe slumped back to the rear, still hurting from the blow to her head. Cutter surged forward to charge an obviously green fighter still struggling to fit a stone in her sling. He laid her out with a wide swing of his spear. The faders closed in on him, and he allowed two to flank him on either side while he positioned himself before the third, a hulking brute who was so big you could see that his companions didn't expect that they would need to give him much help. Cutter liked to prey on that kind of overconfidence. He switched leads, flourishing his spear to mask the flick of his backhand as it unsheathed his dagger. He faded and parried the cudgel blows of the giant fader, waiting for Odessa and Nico to catch up. Two faders circled around their champion to approach Cutter's flanks. They were too focused on surrounding the lone Norcos to pay much attention to the slight youths padding up behind him. Nico stepped out from behind Cutter and thrust his spear into the neck of Cutter's leftmost attacker. Odessa attacked a split second later, failing to connect as her target flinched away from the spectacle of Nico's strike. Odessa's opponent raised his flint-spiked club and shield defensively, startled less by the girl and more by the rare steel of her weapons. She hacked at his shield in a relentless barrage of strikes that reduced it to a bundle of broken sticks and slashed hide. The fader twisted the flapping ends of his shield and entangled Odessa's hand, jerking her off her feet at the same time as the club circled forward to intersect her body's forward stumble. Odessa flowed with the pull, nudging the fader's grasping arm to pass beneath his elbow. Her body brushed his as she moved past, her free weapon trailing behind to catch the warrior at midsection and lay open a red gash across his abdomen. The wound sprouted fat and burst muscle. She locked up the joints of his arm to lever him to the ground, pushing against his back with her knees to accelerate his descent. Before his chin hit the ground, she twisted her still-trapped wrist to angle her blade up towards his neck. He pushed himself up senselessly to all fours, coughing and gurgling with his back arced like a vomiting dog. Odessa drew her machete free and finished the cut across his throat. Cutter, meanwhile, had switched to offense. He misdirected his opponent's attention with an uncommitted spear jab toward his eyes, covering a low, hard kick to the joint capsule of the man's knee. With an audible crack, the fader's leg buckled, and he fell angled away from Cutter toward Odessa. Cutter's flint dagger severed the tendons in the giant's elbow, disarming but not disabling him. Cutter moved on to the mob at the man's back, trusting Odessa to deal with the avalanche of muscled flesh that bore her down to the ground. The fader's gigantic hand gripped Odessa's hair as he fell, driving her head to the earth. She tossed her weapon aside in an unsuccessful attempt to catch herself with an open palm before her body slammed into the ground. Her outstretched arm collapsed and she impacted the earth a moment before her attacker. She felt her ribs buckle under his weight as he slammed against her. Her right hand still clutched her machete, but it was pinned uselessly between her body and the fader's. Odessa hooked a punch into the man's ear and squirmed to make space between their bodies, but with each movement the man settled more heavily around her like a sack of loose grain. Her hand scrabbled for a rock, a stick, her machete, anything she could use to jab at him, but her fingers found only grass and moss. Finally she clutched his ear and pulled hard. He roared and flinched but stayed obstinately in place, arching his back to maintain the pin across her torso, choking her with one hand while driving his fingers into her face with the other. Dull pain drilled into Odessa's skull. Deprived of oxygen, her mind retreated to a dark corner where she enjoyed the curious resilience of her ribs and eyeballs as her attacker pushed her body past what she'd formerly assumed were its tolerable limits. Unaccountably, her bones and musculature held. Then sound, light, and pain rushed back in a single wave. She opened her bruised eye, squinting around the grit. She was still pinned, but the giant had rolled partially to the side and removed his hands from her head to ward off Nico's blows. 
Nico's muffled voice filtered to her through the sound of her beating heart. Are you okay? Your eye looks terrible, Nico exclaimed. You're still alive, right? Odessa managed a quick nod and flashed a bloody smile, but her attention was with the pinned machete. Her attacker maintained awareness of Odessa's deadly weapon, and he devoted as much attention as he could spare to keeping his elbow pinned against her arm, but dampening Nico's blows to his head also subtly destabilized the giant's weight. Odessa felt a gap and pushed hard against the ground with her feet, then bucked against her attacker with her pelvis. The kip only gave her three inches of clearance before his body slammed down again, but it was enough so that when his elbow returned where it had pinned her machete, it now met the blade's upright edge. This time, the giant failed to override his body's instinctive recoil, and Odessa pulled her weapon free. Unlike the ineffectual left hooks she'd aimed at the side of his head, her machete required far less momentum to do damage. She buried the blade an inch into his hamstring, not deep enough to clip through the muscle, but enough to impress upon his nervous system the urgency of letting her go. Nico swung his spear two-handed across the man's lower back as he dragged himself away. The spear shattered in two, so Nico stomped and kicked at him until the giant lay still. Odessa pulled herself up while Nico retrieved the weapon she'd cast aside. You should put wrist loops on these, he said. You keep losing them. Nico's voice echoed in the cavern of Odessa's head. She shook her head and pushed him gently back toward the melee. Cut her, she said. Her mouth felt slow and numb. Oh, he's fine, replied Nico. He's a good fighter and... Uh, oops, nope, you're right. I better go. Odessa forced herself to stand and scan the field. She hopped on the balls of her feet and shook her arms, restoring sense and circulation until Chloe drew up beside her. The older woman lingered on the fray's fringes, persuading stunned faders not to rejoin the battle in the wake of Cutter's forward push. Even with Nico's help, the fader were beginning to close around Cutter. Odessa tried to ignore the fact that they were all fighting for their lives now, and she didn't have anything to show for it even if they did prevail. She checked to make sure the scrap she and Nico had abandoned was still there, then tried to put it out of her mind as she pushed forward. Nico's face was red and he was breathing hard. She drew close enough to see that his weight was too far back on his heels and the unsteady stance was weakening his strikes. In the press, he probably didn't understand why he'd stopped making headway against his attackers. She could see that he was close to panic, entering a vicious cycle where his fear robbed him of oxygen, ruining his precision and thus further increasing his fear. When pressed, Nico could produce short bursts of effort that momentarily repelled his attackers, but his lungs couldn't keep pace with the effort for long. He lacked Odessa's mastery of tactics that might have helped him regain the initiative in the middle of a tight press. Odessa's rare steel machetes gave her physical and psychological advantages, but the weapons weren't her only resources. Chloe had encouraged all of her young students to stress their vascular capacities in preparation for combat, building up a mental toughness that allowed them to press on without relief from the anaerobic state induced by close fighting. Odessa had worked her conditioning regimen harder than anyone, forced into it primarily because she didn't have the mass she would have needed to overcome most of her opponents any other way. Odessa's machetes wove overlapping patterns in the air. She pressed forward relentlessly and the fader fell back. Warriors with more time in the arena than the field tended to privilege the perfect, decisive blow, and they were forever pushing forward then fading back as predictably as the tide. They might pause to observe the effect of their attacks, expecting a quick finish when they landed their blows. It was habits like these that Chloe had taught Odessa to perceive and exploit almost instinctively. Disruptable rhythms like these appeared sometimes even in mature warriors. When opponents accustomed to maintaining initiative in the ebb and flow of a standing fight encountered Odessa's unbroken fury, they tended to move closer for a clench or a takedown. The biggest ones dispensed with standing blows altogether and moved to the ground as quickly as possible, and this was the outcome Odessa had to prevent at all costs. With their weight pinning her to the ground, she was nearly helpless. 
Gravity itself was against her, but her handicaps hadn't stopped her from insisting on her place among the best fighters in her cohort. All of the youth would eventually gravitate toward a more limited set of activities as they grew older, although they were expected to maintain proficiencies in all aspects of tribal life. When the boys her age finally began to pass her in height and weight, it would have been the easiest thing in the world for her to retire from the fighting, maybe transition to hunting big game. Instead, Odessa worked twice as hard to maintain her position. Chloe funneled Odessa's determination into productive channels, switching up her program without warning to maintain the challenge. Even more than mastery, Odessa sought flow. Fighting soothed the delirious urges that kept her up nights sifting through arc. Fighting allowed her to escape the hallucinatory residue of her too vivid dreams. Punishing her body was the only way she knew to soothe a fevered madness that seemed to get worse every year. The fader she faced now wasn't as large as the one that had crushed her before Nico's intervention gave her the space she needed to fight back, but the differential was still obvious enough to instill smug confidence in her opponent. Odessa spun her weapons to create a movable barrier of sharp edges that defended her against an abrupt takedown. Drawing his attention to the machetes was a form of misdirection. Soon enough she'd reveal deeper resources. Those deeper resources, the one Chloe had emphasized the most, didn't actually come from the Norcosis sparring circles as much as they did from Odessa's solitary miles across wooded trails and mountainous passes. It wasn't unusual for hunters to push themselves on the trails, but they weren't as obsessive about exploring limits as she was. The burning lungs, the loud pumping of her pulse, the star speckles that appeared when her vision narrowed to a dark tunnel, the scent of blood that filled her nose, the bile that rose to her tongue, all of these were familiar to her, and in a way they were her objective. She'd pushed beyond the brink of systemic failure into complete collapse. Other hunters were more circumspect, always holding something in reserve for the unexpected contingencies. They hunted the animals in their path while Odessa hunted her own weaknesses. With practice, her physical capacities increased to plateaus of sustained speed unobtainable by her fellow Norcos, but more importantly it hollowed out a still, quiet space of mental tranquility inside the visceral panic raised by physical exertion at its furthest extremity. Odessa pushed relentlessly when she fought, and usually her superior endurance was enough to create a panic in her opponent long before she reached the threshold between aerobic and anaerobic respiration herself. Her secret weapon was the terror they felt the moment they realized that she was willfully violating the unspoken contract of ebb and flow combat that allowed ordinary fighters to dip into an aerobic state where they could recover for the next bout. And if Odessa's opponent was of the rare sort that could match her endurance, then she resorted to her second secret weapon, the partially dissociative trance that allowed her to float free of neurological imperatives as her own system began to overload. The fader Odessa faced now was not a discipline of her art. Odessa hacked the fader's weapons to pieces. He gasped and tripped backwards into a fellow fighter, who caught him before he went down. The fader's would-be rescuer raised a barrier with her spear, but Odessa batted it aside with a closely spaced triple strike that severed tendons in the fader's wrist and shoulder. Odessa moved in to dispose of the crippled defender. The man in front rallied to tackle Odessa's vulnerable legs from the ground. Before she fell, Odessa left her machete buried in the woman's shoulder and drew her flint knife. Rather than resisting the tackle, she accelerated her fall, pushing off to create space, planting her foot hard in the man's lower abdomen. She extended her legs and hips as he went over and buried her knife into the back of his neck. She held his body as he fell, using his momentum to pull herself upright out of her backwards roll. She straddled his chest and forced his head onto the knife. The female spearfighter who tried to rescue her friend was still moving in, but without much conviction. Odessa aimed a kick through the woman's standing leg and retrieved her machete. They're here, shouted Chloe behind her. We have to go. 
Odessa abandoned the fight and sprinted for the closest bit of maker scrap. The AB emerged like liquid darkness in front of her, filling all the visible space between the trees before stepping into the clearing. They swept the clearing in a slow, shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder line, pausing to dispatch the wounded fighters abandoned by the retreating combatants. Cutter and Nico followed close on the heels of the retreating faders. It was a good tactic, Odessa thought, and wondered if Cutter had planned it intentionally. If the AB pursued, the Norcos could branch off undetected while the AB chased the main fader force back to their encampments. A cluster of six AB detached from the line and began to lope towards her. Odessa, now! Chloe yelled. It was all right for Odessa to risk her own life, but the realization that Chloe wouldn't leave her behind, even if it was the right thing to do, made her realize how selfish she'd been to go for the medal. But it was in the palm of her hand now, and she was digging in with the balls of her feet and sprinting hard away from the AB predators. She sprinted past Chloe, who was already accelerating to match her pace. The AB marched behind them, momentarily lost in the trees but still pursuing them. Up ahead, Cutter and Nico stepped out of their hiding places and gestured toward the treetops. With an assist from Nico, Odessa vaulted into the lower branches of a stout tree and climbed as high as she could go. Chloe reached Cutter a few steps behind and planted her feet on his bent thigh, stepping up to his shoulders and reaching for the lowest branch of another tree before hauling herself into its needles. Odessa looked down, expecting the two youths to follow them into the evergreen canopy. Instead, they crouched and waited. When the AB appeared, they ran, careful to stay within view of their pursuers. Odessa settled against the sticky trunk of her tree and breathed deeply, drawing refreshment from its cool, piney pitch.